Welcome to Meet an African Pastor podcast. My name is Anthony Seitzma, and in this podcast, I interview different African pastors so that people around the world can hear about what their lives are like and pray for them. And most importantly, this gives all of us an opportunity to learn from the African church. Thank you for listening. Welcome, David. It's good to be with you having a conversation. I'm looking forward to interviewing you and having you share with uh, with our listeners. David, please tell us a, a bit more about yourself and your family, uh, where you live. Thank you, Anthony. It's uh, good uh, to have this uh, discussion. My name is uh, Reverend David Kangangi Joker. I'm from Kenya, the central part of uh, Kenya, and uh, I am a born-again Christian. Uh, I'm also married uh, to a wife called Miriam, and uh, the Lord has blessed us with uh, three children, all boys, Corinth, Emmanuel, and uh, Rev. James. And uh, uh, that is, uh, we, we are married now for like uh, 24 years. Because the next year we'll be celebrating our 25th anniversary since we got married. And we thank God, we give God all the glory for that. He has been with us and we thank Him. Uh, I think that's good for my family. But uh, the other great is um, um, I was born in a family, a large family, extended family. Uh, I have uh, my mother, I still am, and I have brothers and sisters. Thank you so much, David. Um, can you tell us more about uh, the church that you pastor? Um, I'm currently pastor in a church called Life in Christ. And uh, we are based in a uh, Kiambu County, which is a, a neighbor in uh, Nairobi, is uh, approximately 20 kilometers from Nairobi uh, Central Business area. And uh, we, we, it's a, a fairly, uh, we can say, a young church because we are almost six years now. And we thank God that he has been with us since we started. Yes. And how did you become a pastor? You, you said you've been a pastor there for six, six years. Were you a pastor before that church also? Uh, I was born in a Christian uh, family. Mm -hmm. And I was brought up in the Anglican church, in the Sunday school, in the uni. And uh, then I, when I went to high school, um, I like drifted, but uh, I was still religious and I used to attend the church service. And uh, when uh, later in life I continued and I received the Lord as uh, my personal Savior, and I started serving in the church. And I became a committed uh, member and I served in various capacities. Uh, in the church, various churches, because I was working that time and uh, in every place I was posted, I could find myself in the church and something. But uh, I, 
to continue the feeling the, 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 the call and the urge to serve uh, uh, the Lord more efficiently and uh, more effectively. So in the year 2012, I transferred from where I was to Nairobi, and uh, I, it was clear that the Lord wanted me to do the ministry, full-time ministry. And uh, I delayed for some time until 2015, when I felt now I must join, I must start and go into full-time ministry. And uh, in 2015, December, I started, uh, uh, we joined the ministry, the Life in Christ, after uh, moving from various churches, and then we, we started in December 2015. Is that clear? Uh, have I yeah. answered the question? Yeah, that's, that's great. Um, as you were preparing to become a pastor, did you have any kind of uh, trainings that you went through or theological education? As I was preparing to be a pastor, uh, I, I, I usually have, uh, I have been uh, learning a lot individually, trying to search uh, the Bible and Christian books, and also reading a lot. So it was like uh, the biblical prophets, uh, Isaiah and uh, Jeremiah, when you hear the call, you just, you, you start, uh, you, you answer the call. And then you start um, uh, the, the, the other processes because uh, since then I've been uh, engaged in various theological colleges and trainings. And I'm also uh, undertaking a course in the Christian Leaders Institute, which is also a good course to answer uh, helping me and uh, enabling me to be an effective minister of the Word of God. Yes. Yeah, I think that's one difference between uh, a lot of churches in in Africa and uh, some churches in North America is that sometimes or usually we uh, go to school first and then you can become a pastor whereas a lot of pastors here um, like yourself you, you you get experience in the ministry and then you you get the training as you're going and I think there's uh, there's good things about both <laughs> both models yeah because you get the you're getting the you as you experience ministry you know what you need to learn and so then you're eager to learn it <laughs> yeah. it's also the same in kenya and africa there are some churches the mainstream churches you start with the first going to the theological school and then you you are ordained but uh, in this other church also uh, you, you can do both but now it is uh, because i was still in uh, uh, working, I had not discovered my calling. And when my calling came now, I had to go to the uh, calling and uh, uh, answer the call and then start uh, uh, getting the training for the effectiveness. Yes, so it both can work. Exactly. All yeah. right, uh, David, I have a bunch of short questions for you just to um, help us to learn more about you and what your life is like uh, as a pastor and get to know your, your personality. Um, first, just for, just for fun, um, what is your favorite book of the Bible and why is it your favorite? Uh, 
I, 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 I love the Bible, and I love reading the Bible, but uh, of course there are really some books you feel that you are attached to them more than the others. Like, for instance, uh, the Gospel of John has been uh, quite inspiring and uh, interesting to me. Uh, one, uh, because it starts very well, that uh, we know from the beginning there was the Word, and the Word was God. And also, I like uh, the, the, the other verse in chapter one that uh, in him was life. So uh, I love that bit of life because I know when I have the life of Christ, uh, 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 nothing can die in my hands because the life will flow. Uh, then uh, there are various, uh, the flow of John and uh, various topics, the baptism of Jesus and uh, so I love um, the book of John, also the, uh, the, about the good shepherd, and the verse where I see the, uh, the way that uh, he came to give us life and life in abundance. So uh, I find myself most of the time uh, reading and uh, meditating on the words of uh, John, of course, together with other parts of the Bible. There are other videos um, uh, like uh, the the story of the good uh, Samaritan, the, 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 the woman at the, at the well, the Samaritan woman. Then uh, this is the story of the person who was uh, healed after suffering for 35, 38 years. So those are some of the things which I found very interesting in the Gospel of John. And uh, I keep reading them uh, more and more uh, to get more revelation about Jesus and to get to know Jesus more and more. Yes. Yeah, thank so John, you. John. Uh, what is your typical ministry week, your work week? What does it look like? What are, what are you up to each day? Uh, uh, it varies, but uh, we have uh, some, um, some of the fixed uh, activities which we do in a week. And uh, before they were affected, most of them were affected by the lockdowns brought by, about by Corona. But uh, on Mondays, uh, after the morning devotion, uh, I usually have uh, meetings with the other pastors. We have uh, a network of pastors, and we usually meet on Monday. Uh, if we don't meet uh, uh, every Monday, we meet after every uh, two weeks. But also, there's a ministry I do in a nearby garage where we live and I do ministries of money, preaching to the people who are working in repairing vehicles in the garage. So we do extension to, to them as an extension church. And uh, then on Tuesday, on Tuesday, Australia, my wife is also a pastor. She goes to school and she's doing a course in Europe. So at that time, is the day I, I stand in for her because she has a, a, a business, a small business. Then I stand in for her uh, on Tuesdays. On Wednesday is our uh, fellowship day. So I prepare for fellowship and also for the sermon. I start preparing for the sermon on Sunday. So I start on Wednesday. Last day is my prayer and fasting day. Uh, last thing is my prayer. And also on Wednesday, we have an uh, office day where if there are some people who want to meet us in the office, they meet us mostly on Wednesdays. The church members, they know that uh, they can find us on Wednesdays. 
So we don't fix um, any other activities going on or ministries. And uh, Friday, we have a... Uh, uh, and also, uh, Wednesday, I've seen we have a, a midweek service also, midweek service. But uh, Thursday is prayer and fasting. Friday is the fellowship. We have a fellowship for uh, our Christians who visit them, and we have a fellowship. Saturday, we prepare and uh, for Sunday, and if there is uh, any social activities, we are able to attend like the weddings and other things. Sunday is our main day of worship. We start from 9 p.m. to 1 p.m. And then uh, we have some other activities in the church until late in the evening. That is uh, basically some of the things a typical week. It's, of, a, uh, it's a very full yeah. week. Yes. When is your day off to rest? Uh, like now, uh, Saturdays we don't have a lot of activities. As you prepare, we are also resting. On Mondays, our meetings uh, also start from uh, 9 to 1. So I have an uh, entire afternoon uh, to go to rest. So we have uh, some bits. It's not, uh, it's uh, flexible. Uh, sometimes it's uh, flexible. Even on Wednesday, as I'm preparing, even in the office, maybe I don't have uh, many people coming in the office, so I take a, a walk and something like that. That's good. I'm glad to hear that. Um, on Sunday, you said you're, you're, you go from nine to one. Is that one service or multiple services from nine to one? Initially, we used to have uh, two services. Uh, one with the Bible study and the other one with the, the, the preaching. But now, because since uh, we, the lockdown, and uh, we were limited with the, 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 the timing, we started, we, 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 we we battled to starting at 10, 10 to 12 noon. But now since things are coming to normal, from the previous two Sundays, we have now started coming earlier. When we come early, people are engaged in prayers. They do intercession prayers and we pray for the church. And then we start the service officially at 10 and we continue uh, up to 1. We have praise and worship, we have Bible study, and then we have a and we have the preaching, and then we release them. But uh, when things normalize completely, we'll be having two services uh, from 9 to 11 and 11 to 1, two hours each. Okay. And you mentioned another thing I wanted to ask about. You mentioned preaching at the garage. Is Are these people working while you're preaching, or do they... I'm trying to picture what that looks like and if they have invited you to preach or you're just coming to preach uh, while they're at work. Tell us more. Actually, what, what, what happens is that they have uh, a set time for the preaching. So when uh, I go early in the morning, they down their tools, we start with the Word of God, we do the, like a service, a good service, we do the uh, worship, we praise the Lord, and then we share the word. And then I lead them, I pray for them, and then I lead them to continue working. Not only in the garages, uh, where I am, there is also people are doing the construction. The, the, in the construction sites, we get some few minutes also. Uh, we go and uh, they give us like 30 minutes 
and we are able to share the word of God, and then we move to another place. So they, they do that. Even uh, there was a time they had engaged me in, before Corona in the supermarket, so that I can also, before they start, we do a service, a brief service of uh, not more than 30 minutes, some between 15 to 30 minutes, and then we finish, and then we release them to go and do their work. So it's before they start working. Are, were you invited by the managers of these places to come and do that? Yes, it's the managers who have known me now, they invite me. Uh, like that guy that was uh, a customer, and then when they learned that I'm a pastor, they requested me to be uh, ministering to them on Mondays, and uh, we accepted. Yes, when I'm not available, I, of course, send my wife or any other minister who can study for me. That's really interesting. Uh, it's a good opportunity to reach people where they are rather than waiting for them to come to church. Yes. Um, another interesting thing you said was that your wife is also a pastor. Tell us more about uh, your marriage. How does it work that uh, both of you are pastors? Do you share the work together? Do you get along <laughs> when you're ministering together? <laughs> or do you have to divide what each of you is doing? Actually, when... Uh... We got married, we did not uh, discover that uh, we had different callings, and the Lord was calling us to his uh, ministry and to his work. We tried to be doing uh, many things, even consultancies, and uh, uh, trying to see where our passion is. And uh, now, uh, my wife also is a gifted uh, pastor. She's a uh, uh, very good in praise and worship and also sharing the word of God, preaching and uh, expounding the word of God. So when uh, we started the ministry, it was not I, it was both of us who felt now that uh, uh, we must start uh, this uh, ministry. And uh, when we, uh, how we do it is uh, we minister together, she can be leading the service or the praise and worship, uh, doing the Bible study while I do the preaching. And uh, then uh, the other people, sometimes we have other people in the church who are doing the reading and uh, the, the sharing of the word, and we, we have other responsibilities. So um, my wife has been uh, uh, a key person in the, uh, our, uh, the, the, the church we minister, and uh, she is a, a powerful uh, pastor, and uh, the Lord uses uh, uh, very mighty, and I thank God for, for her. Yeah, so we combine very well. Uh, she's good. Uh, also, she's a prayer warrior. So she she is. We are the strength of one another. So where we have uh, some uh, my weaknesses, she is able to cover, and uh, I'm also able to cover and to stand in for her. So that has given us uh, a synergy to continue working in the ministry. And uh, there is no gap because we are able to continue together as a, uh, as a uh, family. So when we are in the church, we are ministers. When we come to the family, we are husband and wife, and we are able to continue together. Of course, sometimes our children will call us daddy, uh, mom, but others will call us pastor in the house, but uh, <laughs> we are still their pastors and we are still their parents. 
So we thank God for that. And also, I can also add that our children have been very, very supportive in the ministry since they were young. We were wondering how it will be. But uh, when we started, they joined uh, very well and they fit in very well. They were uh, two of them were in the Sunday school, the other one was in the youth, and uh, they have been able to support us to continue with the ministry. And uh, we thank God that uh, uh, our firstborn son, who has finished uh, graduated from the university, also now, because he does not live very far, he comes and ministers on Sunday because he's good in uh, uh, praises. So he's the one who will do the praises, and also he's... Uh, uh, in the drums, he sometimes assists in the drums. Yeah, that's it's very encouraging. I love hearing you compliment your wife so much, and uh, it reminded me of Priscilla and Aquila. Uh, you know, in the in the New Testament church, you're a powerful, powerful ministry team together. Uh, let me ask a different kind of question. Um, as you and your wife, you and your wife are, are pastoring. Um, are you able to be fully supported financially by the church, or do you have to do some other kind of work to support your family as well? Uh, let me say, initially, before <laughs> Corona came in, the church was uh, somehow stable, and uh, they, were, they could uh, support some of the things. But... Uh, uh, they are not able in the current way. Although I've been working, I've been working, and uh, so the, the, the income I get, uh, I have worked, I've been working since uh, until uh, until 2020 May. That's when I stopped working because of the corona. That time I was uh, uh, doing a project in Zambia, and then I was called when uh, corona was announced to. One case was discovered in Kenya. So I came and uh, since then we have been uh, now, uh, uh, depending on God, and uh, as the word says, in the mountain of the Lord, there is provision. The Lord in his own way, he has been providing for us. And uh, we thank God for that. We have never lacked anything. And uh, God has been faithful so far. And we have seen uh, his faithfulness. And we are trusting God now because things are uh, coming back to normal. Maybe we'll be able to go back to our my consultancy work the way I used to to work with the um, organizations and uh, material new work and uh, other things. So that um, uh, besides being a pastor, I'm also a financier of uh, the church because uh, we need some things in the church and the things. Uh, uh, like now we we we, we rent where we are, our premises and we need to keep paying every month and uh, therefore when we have a constant uh, income we are able to we are sure that we'll be able to continue but we are trusting God that we'll be able in very near future to purchase our own land and construct our own church we have rented a, a space and we have constructed a, a semi permanent church so we are able to service that. And we are trusting God for our own uh, land and space where we will be able to continue and uh, construct a permanent building. So, uh, besides, I also told you that uh, we have a small business which we manage, my wife manages. 
and uh, we are able to have, uh, it's like our tent making enterprise, and uh, we are able to have uh, our daily bread from there. God has been good, he has provided the daily bread always, and we thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for sharing about that. You're hard workers. Um, let, let's look a little bit at your church. Um, can you share an encouraging story with us about how you have seen God use the Christians of your church to minister to other people? Yes. Uh, there are several things you have done because you also believe in uh, touching lives and uh, changing lives. Uh, during the lockdown, and especially when Uganda on a serious lockdown, we had uh, some few people who have uh, migrated from Uganda and they stay within. And uh, uh, some of them used to fellowship in our church. And uh, in the month of uh, May, one of them, uh, a young man came to the church and uh, he was uh, desperately in need of help. And uh, uh, of course, he was invited by that other friend and the friend and only accommodate him and they had no bedding and other things. So we had the church was, uh, when we had the story, we were able to uh, chip in and uh, provide for them the beddings and uh, food and uh, clothing. Uh, and uh, we thank God eventually uh, we were supporting them also with uh, some casual work as a church and the people, the members were able to give uh, food and uh, then uh, we have uh, that uh, by God's grace, the man, the young man got uh, a job in another church, a neighboring church and now he's able to he's uh, able to stand on his feet and he has been a blessing to our church because now he is uh, one of, uh, in the church where he goes, they have a well-established Sunday school department and he was hired to, uh, to train the young, the young ones. He had also some theoretical uh, uh, background education from Uganda. So therefore he's a minister actually, that's why we, uh, the story touched us. And uh, now he's been uh, very useful in our church because he provides uh, the training material for our uh, children, and therefore we thank God for that. That is one of the cases where the Christian have supported. The others who have been able to support others who are going to school, and they have uh, no school fees, and they had to chip in and pay for some of uh, the people, some within the church and others in the nearby area. When we get to know the need the case, we usually uh, especially because we know some of the orphans around the area, we are able to chip in when we are able. Now, when we are called to, and sometimes when we are, we are in a position to do that. So our church ministers to other people with various needs. We start from within because the other needy cases are then extend the arms outside. That is in the mass ministry. But also we do the reaching out to them and also sharing the word of them with God with them so that they can also uh, discover that the Lord will give them abundant life. Yes, so those are some of the things we do uh, in the mercy 
minister within our church. Yeah, thank you. That's a great story. Uh, and love how it came back to be a blessing on your church as well. Um, yes. Let's think about the the bigger church in Kenya. Um, what are some of the challenges that you see facing Kenyan churches today? Uh, maybe there could be spiritual challenges or physical challenges or you know what whatever comes to your mind what are the what are the challenges that are that are facing Kenyan churches and how are you dealing with them uh, like uh, other parts of the world uh, the Kenyan church is not exceptional because many Christians want to be blessed instant blessings it's like they want to plant in the morning and harvest in the afternoon. So they are looking for the opportunity where they will be, their life will be changed instantly. Uh, this is uh, the dot-com generation. And uh, we find that in, uh, people keep uh, open from one church to another in search of uh, such blessings. They don't want to be grounded in the world and to know the blesser himself, but they want to receive first the blessings and then go. They want to use God, actually. That is one of the challenges I have seen. And uh, now the way I address and how we address it in the church is uh, uh, building and the grounding people in the world so that they can know the Lord. Because the Bible says in that, that they, those, those who know their God shall be strong and they shall do great exploits. So we want them to be grounded in the world so that they can be able to know him and do exploits. Instead of getting under them, it's like the prodigal son who said, give me. People want to be given and run away. But uh, uh, the point, uh, the church should be is um, the Christian is to telling God to make us, making us, so that we become what he want us to be, not just getting and going. Because like the prodigal son, this is where the church is, they want to get and go, use. And when they are finished, they come back to the Father. But now we thank God that the church, many Christians have discovered that, and many pastors have discovered that. And uh, they are now engaged in uh, uh, teaching the ministry, teaching the, the, the word. The other thing in uh, that, that is now a quick fix where, where the Christians want to be quickly fixed. And of course, it's because of uh, some of the problems and the economic problems. And they want even you, when uh, you pray for them, uh, they find the, they, they get the instant. Uh, uh, answers. If you, they don't get, they might go to another church looking for the instant answers, not recognizing uh, that God wants them to know him. To know him. One, uh, let me give you a story. There was a man who came to our church and he was very needy also. And uh, because of his history, we discover this man does not need money. The church was willing to support him with money. But we discovered that uh, he does not need money. He needed more to be grounded. 
But not, that not in studying, we were able to rent a house for him and provide uh, uh, some beddings for him. And we engaged him in the church so that he can uh, uh, come for morning glory. We usually have morning glory in the morning and also the midweek service and uh, I can visit him and we can mentor him. But uh, that uh, within a very short time, we did not discover when he sold um, uh, the mattress and the beddings and the, the things we had given him and he went to drink uh, beer and then uh, even the house, he did not pay the house and uh, he, he sneaked out of the house and then later we discovered he had gone and we had no contact, he had no phone, so we could not follow him. So we, people need to be grounded in faith, but uh, they are rushing for the blessing. The other thing is, uh, is about um, going back to regional gods. For instance, people want to worship the god of the mountain, the god of the lake. There is a, uh, it's like uh, they are being turned to say that uh, the God, the Almighty God, was introduced to them by the white people. There is another God they used to worship. So that, that is a great challenge where people want to worship other gods, small g. Yeah? And they want to worship other gods. And uh, they are going to sacrificing and um, slaughtering of goats. And uh, they are saying when. Uh, the, the, those the gods were used to they used to slaughter and the, there was rain and many things. So it's like uh, they are uh, going back to uh, culture of gods, which is uh, a challenge. But um, we are also encouraging whenever we have uh, an opportunity introducing the Almighty God to uh, to our Christians in our gatherings. In our, of course, it's not only the Christians who are doing that. There are those who are not who are not Christians who are now trying to introduce, and uh, it's also political in nature that um, to, for you to gain a, a political position, you must be. It's like a group. You must be a member of that group. For you to be popular, you must be a member of that group. So Christians are now doing a, a double. They, they are here. They are on Sundays. They are good Christians, and during the week. They are in those other religious activities of uh, the regions where they come from. So that's also a big uh, challenge. That is African traditional religion uh, creeping in in the churches and the worship of uh, regional gods mm -hmm. other than Almighty God. So that's a big challenge you, you should uh, keep praying for us. Yes. Let me dig a little deeper into that last one. I, I want to understand more because even when I spent time in Kenya, that was a, a topic of in our classroom discussions uh, of people going back to those traditional gods. Do you think it's um, an issue of like reacting, reacting to the, the evils of colonialism? Or is it uh, that people are dissatisfied with, with Christianity and they're, they're not seeing uh, maybe the miracles that they want to see and, and they think the traditional gods can give them the miracles that they want to see? Or is there another reason? What, what do you think the deeper reasons are that are driving people back? I, I think is uh, mostly is the, let me see, is the rebellion. It's about rebellion. And people want to be independent. And also they want to have a God who they see. 
It's like during the Israelites when Moses had gone to get the Ten Commandments, the Israelites said they want a God they can see. So the, most of the argument people are saying is that even before we were introduced to God, we used to worship and uh, they used to sacrifice. And uh, most of the scholars now have done that and they have studied and uh, they are saying we used to have a God here, we, we used to do this and that. So mostly I think is that the bait of uh, rebellion that uh, is uh, the plan the devil is using so that people will not know the right. And they think that uh, when, by going back to their traditions, they'll be able to get what they used uh, to get. So the, the, that rebelling against God is, uh, the, the, is the plan of the enemy, so that people will be enticed and also they see as if there's something good which is coming up. Of course, there's nothing good which happens when they go there. I have known a few when they have uh, they engage themselves uh, in uh, those worship, their life became worse. They are now coming. Some have even come and told us now, Pastor, we thought we are doing the right thing. When, uh, but it creeps in. You, it's not easy to understand because they are. You, you start with a, a, a ritual by ritual lifestyle. You think you are just doing a, a following the customs of your tribe. But then you find yourself, you have gone into, very deep into it, and you have made some sacrifices. Then coming out of it, it becomes difficult. So I don't think it's about the colonialism, but I think it's about the independence. People want to be independent, and they also, they are rebelling against uh, the Almighty. And this is the plan of the enemy, because Jesus is coming soon, and uh, now he's confusing people so that uh, they are engaged and preoccupied with uh, this more small worship. And when he comes, they are not able and they are not prepared. So, and uh, these are the things of uh, people trying to study uh, and uh, to listen out, uh, also logic. You know, uh, there's uh, this uh, uh, all saying to Timothy about the untrained faith. Yeah? Uh, there's uh, people now are coming to logic. They want to listen out so much. They want to rebel and uh, find out the reason for this and that. Yeah. So I, I think it's uh, trying to get uh, independence and identity. So we are also in identity crisis in these religious activities. So people don't know where they grow. Right. And these, when you say people are going back to the um, traditional religions, um, is that rural or or urban or both? Is that uneducated and educated both? Um, is it a, is it a cutting across all all spectrums of society? Actually, it is starting with the educated, trying to introduce the uneducated. So it's from the urban to the rural. Uh, because uh, where, like where I live is a uh, uh, really is a is a urban area, but um, every Sunday where is a uh, a walking distance from where I stay, there is an altar of that uh, traditional religion where they go and slaughter goats. And uh, some people who are taking also advantage of others. Uh, there's some people who have meat. You know, when they slaughter, those uh, the leaders will eat meat. You also pay them to do that. So there are some people who are taking advantage of the others. They are the elites who are taking advantage and they are 
also exploiting others, just as other people are exploited in uh, churches. So this is like a, a religion creeping in to exploit others. So it's uh, both in rural and educated and uneducated. All of them are coming in together. And I've told you, is uh, like uh, when you want to climb up to be known in a community, there are some areas where you will not be allowed to do that, even to buy into a leadership position, unless you subscribe to that tradition. So it's like now they are tying people. Uh, if you want, like uh, you are um, a pastor, there are some pastors also who are educated and have uh, joined because I told you initially they will make it as if it's not a big matter. And uh, then you get in. And when you find yourself in coming out, it's difficult because you have also, it's like going to devil worship. Uh, this topic is really fascinating to me. I could talk to you about it for a long time, but uh, I think we need to come to a close looking at our time. Uh, let's end with uh, two things. Uh, first, if there's uh, any encouragement you want to give to the listeners, knowing that some of them are from other countries around the world, um, what, what encouragement do you might have, especially to those from North America? And then... Um, after you give us any of those final thoughts, you can you can share with the listeners how you would like them to pray for you, and and how to pray for your church. Okay, uh, thank you so much. Uh, uh, the North Americans Christian have been so good and supportive to other uh, Christians all over the world, and they have discovered that we are in one body. And uh, it's good to continue trusting in the Lord uh, and not leaning on our own understanding. And the Bible says that some trust in chariots, others trust in horses, but we remember the name of the Lord. Just like Africans are going back to, to their roots, I know in North America, some of them uh, say we don't need God because we have uh, everything that uh, we have. But uh, I want to encourage each one of us that uh, in every state we are in, we need God. Uh, sometime back, we were learning about the city of uh, Tyre, which is a country in uh, Lebanon. And there was a time they thought they were in, they had everything which uh, they needed. And uh, when Jerusalem was destroyed, they laughed at Jerusalem, saying, Aha, now we are the superpower. And uh, that is in Ezekiel, the book of Ezekiel 26. And when they did that, the Lord said, Because of that, you will be able. We will, you will be destroyed. And uh, it's always good to know that God does everything so that we can glorify him and his name. So when he gives us riches and wealth, when he gives us education, technology, and uh, the skills, we need to honor and glorify him. This is all to glorify him and his name. And therefore, the, the, the psalm I quoted that some trust in chariots, 
But the Christians and those who are called by the name of Christian should remember the name of the Lord. We should always remember the name of the Lord, that the Lord is good, that the Lord is faithful and merciful. And he wants us to reach out and spread his goodness and let others know about him. So let us keep trusting in him. Let us, keep, let us not waver. And let us look at him because he is the author and the finisher of our faith. And therefore, as I, because of time, the, the attitude of God is that he wants us to be humble. Like uh, Jesus Christ humbled himself and uh, he was exalted and given the name which is above other names. And that's why also Peter says, Humble yourself before the Lord. In 1 Peter 5, uh, when you read uh, uh, from 5 uh, to 11, there are various things we are taught that ourselves before the Lord and he will exalt us in due time. So uh, we should continue doing that and uh, knowing that the Lord is coming soon and is coming to take uh, the faithfuls, those who have uh, stood uh, uh, strong in him and those who have uh, already washed their garments and uh, they have received him as Lord and Savior. So may we continue praying for each other and supporting each other, so that we can glorify and honor the name of the Lord. As a church in Kenya and uh, our church here, uh, we, we we trust the Lord for uh, he is good and we know in due time, as I have said, when we humble ourselves, when we submit ourselves to him, when we resist um, the, the devil and uh, when we are sober and we are vigilant, the Lord will do great and mighty things. And uh, as I, uh, uh, I usually, my desire as a pastor is to know the Lord and uh, know his power. And also, as John said, it's like, John said that uh, the Lord Jesus should increase as he decreases. That is, the Lord should take preeminence in our lives and we should know him more and more and when we know him more and more, he'll be able to send us and to use us for his own glory, for his own purpose. So uh, may the Lord God bless you. Thank you for the good work. Thank you for what you are doing to, in the body of Christ. So our prayer as a church in uh, uh, in Christ Church, we are praying more that the Lord will continue to give us an encounter. What, what we desire is the encounter with God. We desire the presence of the Lord to be with us. We desire to know him. And also we desire that the Lord will enable the church to grow. To grow, to grow. That is, uh, when we grow, we know the Lord. And when we, we know the Lord, we'll be able to minister to the people of God. And we'll reach out to uh, others who have not known Christ. Because, you know, uh, time is uh, limited. We are told in the Bible, in Ephesians, that we redeem time because days are evil, so we want to redeem time. And the other physical things we are praying for, as I had mentioned earlier, is the land. We want to have a, a church land, a piece of land, 
where we'll be able to do the construction of the church. Therefore, let us redeem time for the days are evil and Christ is coming soon. We should be prepared for his coming. And because he told us, um, the word says, looking unto Jesus, the order and the finish of our faith. And uh, there is eternity. Things are not ebbing here. There is eternity. So we should focus not on worldly things, but on eternal life. And uh, we know, as I conclude, that uh, we get eternity when we receive Christ as our Lord and Savior. When Christ in us, the hope of glory, then we are assured of eternity. But without Christ, there is no eternity. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you, David. Uh, thank you for that encouragement to the, the other churches outside of Kenya. And thank you for sharing those prayer requests. We will be praying for you. It's been a wonderful conversation. God bless you. Thank you. Um, thank you so much.